0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hear Her Sports, a female athlete podcast where incredible female athletes and women in sport tell their stories about training, what motivates them, and how their sport life impacts everything else they do. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery. Each conversation covers so much ground. I hope you learn something and find a few gems to take into your own training and to life off the field. Thank you for being here, for listening to the podcast. We have a great show today with an exceptional hammer throw athlete. Before meeting today's guest, Janae Casnevoid, I knew very little about her sport. Turns out it is super cool and hard. Be sure to check out the videos in the show notes to see a few fails and also some beautiful throws. Janae is a professional Nike track and field athlete and competes for Team USA. As a Nike N7 ambassador, she is representing culture and sharing the journey to gold as a native athlete. Janae is a member of the Comanche Nation of Oklahoma. She was born and raised in Lawson, Missouri, and like a lot of other Hear Her Sports guests, Janae grew up as a multi-sport athlete, lettering in softball, volleyball, basketball, and track and field. We talk about the athleticism she gained by training in all those sports. She is certainly body aware. Janae shares an awesome and a little bit funny insight into trying to get her body to listen to her as she works to improve some technique. In August this year, she took silver at the World Championships in Budapest, so we talk about what that success meant to her after some difficult months. The year before at Worlds, she won bronze, making her the first Indigenous woman to medal at the World Athletics Track and Field Championships. Janae's personal best throw with the hammer was 78 meters, or 255.91 feet. That throw was the third best in the U.S. all-time, and the sixth best in the world all-time. In 2022, Janae was Indoor National Weight Throw Champion and the Outdoor National Runner-Up in the hammer throw. And she finished off that season by winning gold in the hammer throw at the North American, Central American, and Caribbean Championships, or NACA. Janae and I also talk about food and nutrition because she is as passionate about those topics as she is about her sports career. She graduated from Kansas State with a Bachelor of Science in Dietetics in 2018. During her time at Kansas State, she was a three-time Big 12 champion and a four-time All-American. She remains the current Kansas State weight throw and hammer throw school record holder. Make sure to keep listening all the way through to the end of the episode when she wraps things up so beautifully. Janae is there to support you as you go for your own big dreams. And finally, notice how Janae uses the pronoun we in pretty much all of her discussions about training and the work she does in the hammer throw. In an upcoming episode, we'll hear another athlete talk in that way as well. It's just a little reminder that none of these pro athletes and probably none of us either take part in our sports solo. There's so much support all around them and around us. Well, that's certainly enough introduction. Let's hear from Janae. Well, hello, and welcome to Hear Her Sports. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to to chat with you. Great. And you know, you just won silver at the World Championships this August. I want to jump right in and ask what it was like to be there, you know, to do so well and to improve on last year. Must have been amazing.
1: Yes, the upgrade from last year's bronze medal, of course, was amazing. And it was super exciting to get on another world team. But of course, having a long season last year, running into late August and coming back, not until October, there was a lot of struggle in there, a lot of mental and physical battles. So I really didn't know what to expect. Of course, I was going to work just as hard. But yeah, I was excited to be back and then to have my first international meeting in Budapest, um, was just super exciting and a very monumental moment, again, to make the podium, um, along with another U.S. athlete, so super awesome um, and just super proud of myself to make it back and to perform just the same.
0: What were some of those struggles that you were having?
1: Um, we battled through a couple injury flare-ups, one right before Indoor USAs with the weight throw, and then one right after Outdoor USAs leading up to World's. I had a rough time through my collegiate career with meniscus injuries and microfracture surgeries. So we were going strong two or three years there post-collegiately and kind of just had some flare-ups with heavy lifting in the weight room, lots of volume of reps and hammer trying to get back into shape um, quicker than we had thought. And so we just adjusted and we took that adversity and did our best to adjust and make modifications But ultimately, yeah, we still got the job done. I wasn't going to let it disrupt me too much, but thankful for my team and the resources I have here in Manhattan to keep me healthy um, to get through Worlds.
0: Did you have to take
1: any time off? I did um, a couple days at a time. I did go out to Colorado Springs, the OTC center to get some treatment, the PRP injection. um, And then of course, with minor flare ups. Um, I would just have ultimately just no other option than to take a couple days off from time to time just to allow that need to rest. So yes, we did have more days than not that coach and I don't like too much, but it was inevitable to kind of just, again, best prepare for worlds and to be as healthy as we can.
0: How are you dealing with having to take time off? Like, do you get antsy and stuff like that?
1: Yes, it is very hard for me. Naturally, I don't like to sit out. I don't like to watch people participate in sports and not being able to also join in on the fun. But again, just trying to be smart and trying to be mature in this level of sport to be at our best for the meets that matter. And so that was, of course, very challenging, but I think we did okay. And again, having the resources and the support team that can help me and to really just be in tune with my body, knowing how it feels like, you know, Soreness, tightness versus injury. And so that was super important for me um, just to stay on top of myself and to be smart through the season.
0: I think it's so hard to know, you know, like the good times to rest and the good times to like just push it because you can. And that's sort of part of being a professional athlete.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a challenge, of course, um, physically to put your body through extreme measures and training continuously with minimal time off but recovery and rest is just as important as the training. So that's something I appreciate and take full advantage of on my rest days.
0: Yeah. So you talked about we, so you have a coach. So how have you figured out how to work best with your coach and to put input, but also to really be able to, you know, draw from his expertise? Yeah.
1: um, I didn't start hammer until I was about 19 years old, and I solely went to just a hammer thrower with my coach currently, Greg Watson. It was his first year at State University, and I was a year at JUCO and had the opportunity to transfer here with him and work under him. So he kind of taught me everything I needed to know about hammer, and his program training and strength training is all that I know, essentially. So I really just was super diligent in learning the hammer and being a student of the sport. And he kind of navigated this space for me. And I always saw progression and a lot of success very quick, but still he had to help me understand like, this is a very developmental sport and a developmental event. So I had to be patient and trust the process as easy as it sounds. Um, So yeah, going from 2019 um, ending my collegiate career, my first professional Chance, he ultimately just left the choice up to me to go professional. You know, there's no guarantee in this sport. It's very hard being a hammer thrower in the States, it's very competitive. So I had to just make that decision and give it a shot. And so, never did I dream to be a professional hammer thrower, let alone a bronze medalist and a silver medalist. But ultimately, I'm, I'm happy to have him by my side and to just feed off him whenever I'm struggling, but to also share the success um, for both of us as we've kind of shared this entire journey together.
0: I had heard you say that it's really competitive in this country, the hammer throw, and I that never, I, I had no idea. Why is it so competitive here?
1: Yeah, um, I think I had never heard of it, like I said, before right. my freshman year of college. And so I think it's a very strong European event and a sport altogether in track and field. When I go to international meetings, the crowds, you know, they're sold out. The crowd is phenomenal and energetic and loud. And as hammer, we get to throw in the infield, which in the States, you don't find that common. We don't have a lot of crowd turnouts in the States. The hammer is off yonder (laughs) outside of the stadium, not included in the big entertaining part of the, the track meet. And then I feel like we're just now getting to that point where collegiate students are coming professional and they're having very successful collegiate careers and having the opportunity to turn pro. But since Deanna had the American record at 80 meters, Brooke just hit 80 meters this year. I'm hoping, you know, coming off a of 78 last season to keep progressing. Um, you know, really when the Olympic standard is 73 meters, there's a lot of girls in that mix from 70 meters to 80 meters. And that's a 10 meter difference. So to make a world team, to make an Olympic team is very, very challenging and competitive. So, and we know the work that it takes to get to our, Our point. So it's not taken for granted for any girl that wants to give it a shot. You know, I highly recommend people to give it a chance if you can, if you have the time and the energy to continue. For sure, it's not easy. Um, But I think that is what makes us more proud and more um, thankful to make a team. It just means that much more for the States. And then to have two women meddling in these world meets. It's just amazing to see and to be a part of.
0: Yeah. Super amazing. Do you like that competition? I mean, does that feed you or does it scare you? Like, how do you feel about knowing that it is so competitive?
1: Yeah. Um, I had a lot of success in college and again, I was very unfamiliar with the sport. So being the K state record holder, multi big 12 champion, all American for years in a row, I still was so young in the sport where I didn't have that high level experience. I didn't know there was USATF, youth meets, under 18 meets, under 20 meets. I didn't know the world of track and field existed until I got post-collegiate. And then I really understood the sport and the ways to go about making teams and having ranking and points. And so my experience at these high level meets were very minimal. So it took me a couple years to get my grounding and to feel For one, myself, comfortable and confident in the ring versus these high level meets like, oh, yeah, I got this in the bag. I believe in myself. This is what I do every day. And it's important to just continue to work at it and get better. And that's, I think, what I strive in my strength is I'm an athlete at heart and I have a lot of strengths that I think a lot of other throwers maybe lack. Um, But I just use that to my advantage. And that's my journey. So at the end of the day, when it comes to these big comps, it's all about having fun um, and trying to make the most of it. Of course, we're going to have that, that heart in us and fight and be a competitor. Um, but ultimately, it's just that time to shine. So I really enjoy it now.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that you have uh, skill sets that others might not have. So what, what kind of stuff?
1: Um, I just grew up as an all-around tri-sport athlete. And so I was very involved from a young age playing soccer, softball, volleyball, basketball. I did competitive cheer and dance as well. And so I just really feed off being super athletic, um, having that natural talent of balance, flexibility, power, strength, and that realm of being just super agile. I'm not the strongest weight thrower. I'm not the strongest hammer thrower. I'm probably the weakest in the gym, but I strive off being super dynamic and powerful. Um, And so I think my speed in the ring really – allows me to, with technique, allows me to throw far um, versus just having an insane amount of strength, which some girls do and still do great, but I just kind of focus on what I bring to the table and build off of that with a throw.
0: Sure. You've talked several times about not having discovered the hammer until you were in college. Mm-hmm. Like what actually happened? Like how did that <laughs> come about? That just seems so crazy to me that, yeah, anyway, it seems crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, So
1: honestly, track and field was the sport for me that I only got introduced to it in fifth, sixth grade when we did field day. I'm the youngest of four siblings. And so my two older siblings, Jasmine and Jaren, messed around a little bit with shot and disc. And so I was able to see that a little bit while they were in high school. And I was in seventh and eighth grade and our track and field seasons, because it's cold in Kansas, were only maybe two months of the year. And so I didn't do any training outside of those seasons because I was heavily involved in other sports. We didn't even have coaches. I went to a small 2A school. So the training, the coaching, the technical aspect was pretty non-existent. I just did it for fun and because I was naturally talented at it and could just kind of throw far based off what I thought (laughs) was how to throw. And so when I had the opportunity to go on a a visit at Johnson County Community College, um, the coach there took me in with my shot and disc marts, and then kind of just introduced the hammer to me when I started the first day of practice. Um, And then with the weight throw being indoors, because you can't throw hammer inside, we just kind of picked up both for the first time. And I had to do a lot of research on I didn't even know what it looked like. And so the first day was just I got all the dizziness out. People always ask, how do you not get dizzy? How do you not fall over? Well, those first two days of training are literally just turning, 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 spinning, spinning down a track as long as you can go. So, yeah, it was interesting. And like many others, my first assumption or experience with the hammer was Matilda, the movie with Principal Trunchbull. So, <laughs> unfortunately, that is the only um, reference most people know about it unless they're in the track and field already from a young age and are familiar with
0: the event. Did your coach, or, or I should say What did your coach see in you that he thought you would be good at the hammer? Well, I think
1: as most freshmen are brought into, for sure, JUCOs and maybe D2, D3 schools, they kind of just know that that is an event they need to fill spots in for conference Mm. meets and nationals to get athletes into those meets and to have points. And so I think that was just something, my discus wasn't very strong in my shot. Of course, wasn't very strong either, but I still made both events at Nationals, um, NJCAA Nationals as a JUCO athlete, um, and Hammer as well. I somehow won Hammer. I got first in my first competition at Nationals, Uh, but then when Greg, my current coach now, saw me at Indoor Nationals throwing the weight, the ball is 20 pounds, I was doing three winds and two turns just to get that thing out there with all the muscle strength that I have. So from that throw, he saw me as a hammer thrower, being super agile and dynamic, and could just envision me as a hammer thrower when I got on campus here at K-State. And so that kind of was written in the stars for me, I guess.
0: That's amazing.
1: That is awesome. I love stories like that. So what appealed to you about it? Just honestly that it was different. I originally planned to go the culinary arts route out of high school and put up my shoes to all athletics. But when that decision kind of changed and I only had track and field left, I came to K-State and it was just an opportunity for me to continue to be an athlete, to learn and get better at something that I had no idea to even throw it. Um, And so for me, being an athlete, being super competitive, I wanted to be good and be the best. And I didn't know what that even entailed. So I just practiced at it and got better at it very quick. And I had... Briefly come in contact at a couple meets with the pros at the time, Gwen Berry, um, Geneva Stevens, and Amanda Binkson, Deanna Price, I think, was a junior or senior at my time in college. And so these girls were throwing 70 plus meters, and I had started at 53 meters my freshman year. So never thought I would even hit 60, let alone 70, let alone 75, these massive jumps when I started out. the the very bottom and so it's been amazing to see and amazing to go through um, all parts of my journey but yeah to know that if I maybe didn't choose this route or wasn't having fun with it anymore that I could have ultimately given up but yeah it's been amazing.
0: Yeah I'll say so you know I think we should go back a little bit and could you describe the sport since most people are not familiar with it? You know, I would love to have you just basic description of the sport, but then also for you what it's like to go out on the field and like what it feels like to be out there and compete in that event.
1: Yeah. Um so the hammer throw is very similar to the shot and discus in the rotation, but ultimately it is a shot put on a long wire with a handle. That's as basic as I explain it to most people. And so You look for two to four rotations in the hammer throw, and it is a very slow. The more simple you are, it's usually the further the throw is gonna go, but it takes a lot of patience and rhythm and tension with the ball to get the correct throw together. So it's very poetic. It takes so much balance and flexibility um, power and strength than a lot of people kind of think that it does. And so hmm, it's, it's, it's so hard to describe, but it's easy to see it in person, like on video and just naturally realize how hard it is. Oh, it looks very hard.
0: <laughs> There's so many yes. aspects that look hard. Describe a little bit more what we, you were talking about, how you have to be slow because it, I mean, visually, when you're, as you said, when you watch it on video, it doesn't look slow mm-hmm. at all. Yes.
1: Yeah, so the hammer is the one thing that you cannot rush or the ball is going to take you over or you're going to crash really hard. And so it's important to be one with the hammer, kind of like you're dancing with it, but also be pushing and moving the ball past you to allow it to bring you into these certain catches or position so anytime you try to work harder than the ball, it's never gonna go right. And so it's important to be patient with it. Allow the ball to complete every movement to get a strong finish. So a lot of people say, Oh, how do you you know, you move so fast in the ring or you finish, it's so pretty, and it's to me in my mind's thinking a thousand things at once when I'm in the circle for one. But um, it just takes a lot of of practice for sure to get it right and to to understand the correct movements of the hammer because it is very challenging, not only one turn, but to get through four without crashing or falling over. And I've had multiple fails where I feel like how I'm most known for is my fails on TikTok, but also because I've done well and still been able to throw far. So all that is inevitable and it's bound to happen. You're going to have your bad days, um, but ultimately the goal is to have more good days than bad. But the bad days really make those good days worth it. Um, <laughs> you know together. how bad it can go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so what happened? So- like
0: when it goes bad, what happens?
1: Uh, well, I just hope that all of my bones are intact and that my <laughs> teeth are, are, holding in strong, that my face does not hit concrete too hard. Oh. Um, thankfully we've, we've not had any, um, really bad uh, injuries when we have our fails, but, It's, it's kind of something that I feel like I'm fine. And then all of a sudden my feet catch or I'm too quick and I'm up in the air and I just, I hit and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, let me, let me take a five minute breather and
0: I'll come back. (laughs) It's amazing that the ball has that much power and force to, Mm -hmm. you know, move you, lift you up on the ground. Yes. Throw you down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're, we're best friends most of the time, but we have our moments. That's for sure. When you compete, so let's go back to this describing what it's like to compete. So how do you how do you approach it? You know, like you have to go out onto the circle by yourself. And, you know, like what kind of talking are you doing to yourself? What are you remembering? What kind of cues, that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, of course, the biggest challenge is in track and field. The more, I guess, pro you are in the meets that you go to, you're kind of on your own and a lot of the training too, because my collegiate coach is working with the college athletes. And so not that I'm not a a huge priority to him, but I'm at the level where it's important for me to understand what I'm doing and where I go wrong so that it meets that I know exactly what I'm working on. I know the cues, I know my technique, and I can just go and execute that. Um, Of course, there's a battle between having two easy attempts when you're warming up versus going all out too soon, um, you know we have six rounds, but you can't get three extra if you don't execute in the first three. So it's really something that you have to have experience with. And you and your coach just have a plan. You go execute the best that you can and you trust all the work that you put in and you trust that the adrenaline and the nerves are also going to assist with kind of that power output as well. And so I never plan to be in a in a, my tip-top shape at any point of the season. I kind of just work through it entirely and trust that the work that I'm putting into it and trying to get better, that those big throws are going to come. Of course, the perfect recipe is to PR and to break records at championship meets. But it is very, very hard um, considering all the factors that go into it. But for me, I think it worked out my best – Pretty much my career best series, my career best um, meet was at Worlds. Uh, I'd never had a PR this season, so was that tough to not see a better mark than last year or my entire career all season long? Yes. But to go out and still execute an amazing series and to come away with a silver medal better than last year, um, I think that's all that I can ask for. And ultimately, that is what solidifies my spot in this sport to continue on and having hope for the Olympic
0: year. So what are you still working on?
1: A lot. (laughs) Unfortunately, um, last year we had a hard time in our entry, which has been my, I feel like my um, bad habit area is the wines in the entry, not having the ball drop behind me and really having continuous movement so that it sets it up for a good throw. So that's been what I've been working on for like 10 years now (laughs) And um, I'm still able when I have bad technique to kind of still make a decent throw happen. But if I just can nail this wind and entry technique, I know I will progress and do amazing things this season. Um, But yeah, it's just something that and my brain and my body cannot connect on right now.
0: (laughs) So what are you doing to try to get that to work out? trying to be patient <laughs> everything that I
1: I know that I have to do is very hard for me to actually do it um, and it's not that I'm not actively trying and coach is not telling me more times than not I hear it uh, it just has to naturally happen and naturally um, I have to just have my body do it over and over and over uh, and that's the hardest part I can get it one day and the next day it's like where did it go I don't know right, how to find right. it anymore and that is also the hardest challenge with hammer is, one day it's amazing and it's your best friend, and the next day it could literally walk past you without saying hi. <laughs> it's like, why am I doing this event? What this is so hard and frustrating, um, but then it just makes it more fun when the ball goes far. So,
0: also that that sort of progression and learning is is mm-hmm. fun. I yes. find it fun. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So you're a professional hammer thrower. What is what's that life like?
1: Yeah. Um, thankfully, I'm finally to the point where I don't have to work part-time. Uh, well, full-time or part-time, I can solely focus my time and energy towards training, which is amazing, but I kind of get bored <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, so first thing in the mornings, I do train. I have a throwing session with my coach, about 30 throws, and then I go to the weight room and do my lift for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, And then the early afternoons, I do some treatment and recovery, chiropractor. Um, On my off days, I try to get in more rest and recovery with massage, um, cold tubs, hot tubs, things of that nature, um, just to keep my body in good graces for, for the long weeks that I have. But Right now, with my coach saying that I'm only getting older, we do take, we add an extra day off in a seven-day period. So we train two days on, one day off, two days on, one day off. So that day off always kind of rotates. Um, And of course, it's hard to travel on the weekends or to make events when we start training at the beginning of the season. Um, We're really anchored down and just solely focused on these next 10 months to best, um, to put our best foot forward for that Olympic trial competition.
0: Okay. I have a couple questions. So first of all, did you take a big break after world championships?
1: Yeah. So last year I took six weeks off, which was the first time I ever had came close to taking that amount of time off. Normally through my collegiate career and a couple years post-collegiate, I just take two weeks off entirely. Um, No throwing, no working out. And then my first world team after that season, because it was such a long season, we took six weeks Um, and then this year we just did
0: four weeks. Are you, are you good at that? Do you enjoy that
1: period? (laughs) I do. It's a really great time, um, to just be with family and friends and to have a little self vacation to rest and relax and just take a minute to breathe where I don't have to be at appointments or working really hard. I can just enjoy life for a little bit. And then shortly after like two weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of bored. I need something to do to go work out. But it is just hard in general to do anything not hammer related because um, I'm <laughs> injury prone. Um, so as much as I want to play beach volleyball or pick up a game of basketball with friends, I kind of have to refrain myself a little bit. But I do enjoy my rest um, for sure.
0: Are you feeling healthy now?
1: I do. Yes. I've worked a lot and um, getting needling done and stretching. I'm also joined in on yoga. So that's very, it's been very fun and a whole new journey in itself. So,
0: have you been good at doing the yoga? I always think how fantastic <laughs> yoga is and then just don't get to the mat.
1: Fall off. Yes. <laughs> I picked up in this past winter um, because I just kind of felt mopey and gross when I wasn't uh-huh. training, um, have anything in the evenings. I was like, I just need to get out of the house. It's not hot anymore. So, I feel like I'm not burning calories or sweating even with practicing inside. So yoga was a great addition to that. And again, gave me a reason to stretch or be doing something to take care of my body.
0: Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned the Olympics coming up. So what does that lead in look like for you? Like when are the trials? How are you targeting the different events?
1: Yep. Um, So I believe the Olympic trials is like almost a week long. And it's again back in Eugene. So a very familiar place. I've competed at multiple years now, um, and it's broken up in two days, which is a prelim day, um, and then to make the final day. And then, of course, top three will make the Olympic team. And so 2021, I honestly felt pretty good and pretty confident. It just, again, was another year that I wasn't quite ready. On a perfect day, if I had a PR and performed well, I could have easily made the team. But I think it was just wasn't my time at the moment. I learned a lot from it. And came out better in 2022. Um, so now I'm definitely at a point where I feel very confident and going in super positive. Um, but I know there's still a lot of work to be done. And so that's what we're working for in the best preparation to stay healthy, to keep training hard, um, and getting and trying to progress.
0: Do you have markers that you're going to try to hit before the trial so that you sort of, I don't know, know that you're on track or know that you have, focus on xyz before Mm -hmm. the trials
1: yeah um the beginning of the season is always pretty telling kind of where i'm at in training through the winter um in the midwest here it's hit or miss that we get training outside to see marks Um, we're kind of just throwing into a tarp when it's cold and we're We can feel how things are going, but we can never tell how far things are going. And so I don't focus too much on the distance, um, more so on the technique. But of course, it's nice to see where it goes, to see a little progress throughout the training programs. But I will probably open my 2023 or it'll be 2024 season um, in May. And so I plan to go back to Kenya for my fourth time now. I love it there in Nairobi. They do an amazing job hosting Um, a gold meet. And so I think that meet will be very telling of where and then I'll be pretty stacked through the spring for about three months until the trial. So I'll have a lot of time to kind of find my grounding and to get comfortable in the ring again, um, with all the nerves that the the season brings.
0: Yeah, preparing and trying to make an Olympic team always Mm -hmm. has so much stress. I mean, is it helpful that you've done it before? And I don't know, how are you preparing for that stress?
1: Yeah, um, I think that's something I take on pretty well. I do very good when my when my table is kind of stretched thin. Um, you know, I've always just been a person on the go and having things to do, and kind of just balancing that naturally with like time management and getting it done um, because I have to, you know. And so that's all I've known. So I think now that I have time to just focus all my energy and time with training and to prepare it's like, I can't fail, you know? So I think that's just the mindset that I'm going into it this season is just to be positive and to know that this is what I do every day. I'm going to show up and I'm going to challenge myself and push myself all the time. But I don't, I don't ever think that it'll ever be too, too much or not possible. Um, I'm definitely a person that strives under pressure. I do great under pressure. And also with people that think, oh, you can't do it or whatever, not that I know that there's anybody that is saying that, but I just love to be that underdog. And I love to be that competitor um, that steps into the ring and know that they can get the job done.
0: If you are enjoying this episode and would like to support the work we're doing, giving voice to female athletes and women in sport, and increasing the amount of media coverage for women in sport, go to buymeacoffee.com slash hearher. I love coffee, so it's a special treat when you listeners support that habit and support the podcast. Another way to support the show and to get a few tidbits about women in sports is to sign up for the Hear Her Sports newsletter, which comes out between episodes. Sign up on our website at hearhersports.com.
2: the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag.
0: Let's get back to the conversation with Janae Kasnavoid for more about the hammer throw and to find out her why for competing. After winning the Silver at World Championships, you talked a lot about how much it meant to you to represent Indigenous women. Mm -hmm. So now that it's been, you know, it's been a month since you won that medal and you've had time to reflect, how are you feeling about having won that medal and what it means for your community?
1: Yeah, um, it's been amazing. I truly love who I am and who I'm continuing to become as an athlete, as a woman, um, being indigenous and a member of Comanche Nation. And so having the backing and the outpouring amount of love and support since I started this journey um, as a professional athlete and just kind of had eyes on me in the Olympic trials in 2021, it just strengthens me so much more and I just have a bigger reason to compete and to be the face of not just indigenous people, but people that have big goals and that have something that they're striving towards to have a better life. Um, in general is just, if I can be that for somebody, somebody having a really hard time or going through trials and tribulations, not having someone to look up to, to get out of the situations that they're in, which is a lot of native Americans and communities, unfortunately. And so, Having success helps, but also just having the platform and winning medals for Team USA, but it's truly an honor to win it for me, my family, and my community. It's just that much more empowering and then helps motivate me for the next um, season to come. Is that why you compete? Is that your why? There's a lot of whys. <laughs> um First, for myself, um, to be an athlete just from a super young age. It's what I truly love um, in this life for me is to be an athlete. And second, losing my father, who was full-blooded Comanche, as he was my coach and what kind of drove us all into athletics from a young age. That's number two. And then um, three, for the community, uh, much bigger than myself, to just be representation, breaking barriers, and to create spaces that we weren't necessarily before.
0: What do you think we should all know about the Native community that we don't that, you know, as, as you've talked about, most people don't know enough about it? Yeah, just
1: that Native Americans are still here today. Um, we are modern Native Americans, because at one point in time when we roamed the, the, these lands, our land, you know, we were tried to be killed off and then put into communities that restricted us that was illegal for us to do song and dance to where now hundreds of years later, you're not finding those true rich culture or those backgrounds like me who was raised outside of the community to have a better life, to want more for ourselves, to have more than what generations before us had, which was very traumatic and is what a lot of people feel hinder them in their lives and reaching towards their goals or having is because they feel like they're still battling through our history. And so for me, and even more now in 2023, you just, it's very uncommon to find what most people feel like the black and white textbook picture of Native Americans are, are with the headdresses and your chiefs, which is just not the, the today's Native American. And so I think that's super important to know. And it's not that we feel there's reparations that need to be done for us as Native Americans, but just to realize the equality and to know right from wrong and that we are still here today.
0: Yeah, and to to see what the vision, the representation of what a current Native American looks like. Yes. So I want to talk about food. (laughs) You wanted to go to culinary school. That's so awesome.
1: Yes. It was a huge passion of mine. I grew up getting home from school and watching cooking shows. And so I definitely put my sisters (laughs) and my brother, my mom through it of finding whatever I could in the kitchen to mix up and have them try. Uh, I'm much better now when I cook and they love it. But growing up, I know they were just like, "Mm -mm, I'm not trying (laughs) that. Um, And so the passion um, really stemmed and growing up and watching cooking shows. And then I had the opportunity in high school my senior year to do a culinary certificate, culinary arts course, my senior year, school to career is what it was called. Oh,
0: that's and cool. that same
1: program um, was through Job Corps, but it also was allowing me to go to San Francisco to complete my chef apprenticeship program. And so the funding was all there until it wasn't. And so that's kind of what switched the route for me to then go – the track and field route on scholarship to kind of pay for school, um, which at Johnson County Community College, they had a very prestige and well-known culinary program there. And so that is what kind of pushed me to that school in particular. And I I did both, but ultimately I had to choose because they're both very time consuming and demanding. Um, and everyone, counselors were telling me I can't do both and hard headed, stubborn person I am. Wanted to do both and didn't want to pick. But ultimately, if track was going to pay for my school, I went ahead and made the decision to continue in track while I was happy and healthy with it um, and then kind of just put culinary arts on the back burner for now. But I've been trying with meal prep and with sports nutrition, cooking my own meals, trying to uphold that field a little bit while I can.
0: I was just talking with a friend of mine about nutrition, about how little we give credit to the importance of nutrition. And by we, I mean, you know, like basically everybody. So even the medical system Mm -hmm. doesn't give enough credit to the importance of nutrition. And, and I don't know, what are your thoughts about that? And, and I guess also like, how are you taking care of yourself so that you make sure that you're the best fueled for what you want to do?
1: Yeah, it's super important. Um, I've always kind of known about sports nutrition and had a huge Passion towards it and wanting to know more and how I can better myself, of course, but also just realizing how I grew up and the foods that I was more familiar with, and what my mom cooked and what my dad cooked, and kind of the groceries that we always bought. That was huge in my adult life and kind of going to college and being on my own, and the foods that I choose to eat, and what I was like, I looked at an avocado and was like, Ew, that's gross. And now I love avocados. And so it's things like that that. And here in Kansas, it's beef, corn, potatoes. That's so <laughs> filled with people, what their, what their diets are. And I'm just like, we need more vegetables. We need more fruit. But it's solely based on how people are raised and what they're more familiar with, what they're given. And so that was huge for me. And then through school, I was in the dietetics program, also learning about heavy prevalence of Native American communities with diabetes, obesity, alcoholism, and things of that nature, which I also experienced firsthand with my father and his family, all passing away from cancer and having lived with type 2 diabetes, having a heavy hand on the the alcoholism. And so that's been huge in my life as well, versus being an athlete and needing to take care of my body and what I put into it to help my performance. And so it's been an amazing journey to see and to just get better at. But also I think food is just a huge part of, Um, people and our relationships and social and the relationship we have with food. There's so many things that goes into it and food is just how we survive as well. So, yeah, it's been fun um, to learn about and to have two degrees um, in health and nutrition and then dietetics as well. So I definitely want to do more with it, but having first being committed my time to being an athlete, I just do what I can do best with sports nutrition, fueling, cooking, um, the supplements that I take and hydration, of course, um, to throw
0: far. So you know, like I always hesitate to ask this question because I know you're going for the Paris Olympics, and so I, you know, like asking post-Paris <laughs> Olympic questions are always hard because athletes think about that, and then we'll deal with the rest later. However, <laughs> do you want to continue with this line of thinking of being involved in nutrition, being involved in dietetics once? Your athletic career is over. I mean, is that something that you're interested in pursuing?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And any way that kind of fits my life, I will find something um, that works for my schedule. So whether it's going, I've always had a dream of going to culinary school abroad in Paris or Rome or Madrid, somewhere of that nature. Because a good daughter, for that, <laughs> yes. A good. Uh, I'll just stay in Paris and right. it then. Uh, but a good program will take nine to 12 months, depending on how much you want to get involved and then put any other strong fields in there with it. So definitely doing that. And then just being a Native American and being in this world, like even the US people right next to me, you know, really kind of help promote food insecurity and communities that don't have access to food, families and kids that don't have access to food. Um, That's also a huge passion of mine. And Anything involved in education about nutrition also. So I have a lot of goals and, and things I want to do, but I just have to find the perfect one um, as well. Being a personal chef for a sports team would be amazing. And then also oh, doing yeah. some community work. So lots of different avenues. I think just where I'll be at at that time is the thing that's going to matter the most.
0: Right. I was going to ask you about your goals, but it sounds like we've covered them all between <laughs> Paris and all of that other stuff. Yes. Unless there's something we didn't get to.
1: Uh, I mean, gold would be nice. Yes. I like, I like a little gold. I've, you know, have some bronze, some silver, but I think gold's the one that's missing. So of course we'll set that the biggest goal, um, the closest goal we have ahead, but I'm just, I'm super happy with life and where I'm at. And honestly, if you would have asked me when I was in high school, where I saw myself, it would have, would have been with, you know, married, have a home, a full-time job, working my life away with three kids at 25. And I am so thankful to have the life I have now. And it's just been an amazing journey for sure. Are you surprised? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Surprised. Um, but also just in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it could have worked out any better. Cool. Is there anything we missed that you want to talk about? Um, I think it's just important as a hammer thrower, as a track and build athlete, as a woman, you know, that we kind of change the narrative. And I just want to inspire and empower the next generation to be strong, to be confident in your body, and to know that you are worthy. And I think that's so important. Um, I didn't necessarily have those people, not just like I've said before, as an indigenous person in sport and in life, but just growing up, whatever in whatever field you want to do in life, um, know that it is possible and that I'm cheering for you always and support um, women in any aspect of life.
0: That's awesome. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for being here. It's been amazing. (laughs) I just, I I don't know, I just love your story. And it's just so fantastic to hear about hammer. It's not a sport I know that much about. So it was was fascinating for me. Yes, we're
1: hoping to put hammer on the map and more kids in the next couple years will just be flourishing at it and be way farther advanced than I ever
0: was. (laughs) Well, certainly with, you know, two American women winning at world championship, that's certainly going to I would think would make a difference here in this country anyway. Yes,
1: absolutely. It's exciting. Right.
0: <laughs> it is exciting. And you also, I mean, both of you are such dynamic, wonderful representations of the sport. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be alongside any of the women here. I know the work that I put in. I know the work that they put in. So I can only be happy um, and excited to see their journeys play out as well.
0: Great. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Janae, for an incredible conversation. I loved learning about the hammer throw and about what makes you strong and motivated. Find links to what Janae and I covered in our conversation on her show notes page at hearhersports.com. I've included links to a beautiful throw by Janae and also one of her hammer fails. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got something to motivate your training and, using Janae's words, your journey. It's excited to be part of what you are doing. Keep your emails and notes coming. I love hearing about what you are thinking and what questions you have for female athletes. Email Elizabeth at hearhersports.com. There's also a contact page on the website. Hear Her Sports is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts. For more information or to check out other shows on the network, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. We are back to the regular schedule of posting episodes every other week. If you miss us in the off weeks, sign up for the newsletter. I look forward to including you. Until next time, bye-bye. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Cherie Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.